What's going on, everybody? Before we start the podcast, I just wanted to briefly talk about the unspeakable tragedy surrounding Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs responsible in a horrible car accident in which a young woman tragically lost her life. Thoughts and prayers go out to her and her family and everybody involved in the situation. Henry Ruggs now facing prison time, the end of his NFL career, and most importantly, just having to live with the guilt of having taken a human life away. I just cannot imagine what he's going through and what the family of the deceased is going through. So thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved in that situation. Hello and welcome to the Let It Ride podcast, coming to you as we do every Wednesday, but finally again from my garage, no longer recording in the car. Feels good to be back at home in a more comfortable environment to deliver you a quality podcast. In fact, let's blame recording in the car on our recent run of bad picks lately. Six and nine last week, just a terrible run of luck. It really looked like we were going to start out great. Those one o'clock games were going in our favor to start, but then they all turned around on us in the second half. We're going to touch on each one of those games individually. Also going to get to a couple of big news stories breaking out of the NFL in the last couple of days. And now that we're at sort of another benchmark in the season, we've gone through eight weeks. This used to be the halfway point of the NFL season. Obviously, that number has gotten skewed since they added a game. But as we did through four weeks, now that we're through eight weeks, we're going to touch on our five contenders in each conference. But first, as I said, a couple of big news stories to break into. I touched on the Henry Rugg situation to open the podcast. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about that. There are other podcasts and news outlets that are much more equipped to deal with a situation as serious as that. This is a leisure podcast, so I'm not going to spend any more time talking about that. But as I said, thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved there. Derrick Henry now out for the season for the Titans. News breaking on Monday that he is going to undergo foot surgery and miss the rest of the season. Obviously just throwing a wrench in the Titans season. It really looked like the AFC was there for them to grab by the horns. They already have a game in hand against the Bills having beat them head to head. So leading the AFC at this point with other teams floundering around them really looked like they could have taken charge and grabbed the one seed in the AFC. But now with Derrick Henry going down, what is this offense going to look like? Ryan Tannehill has not looked like he has the past couple of years. Julio Jones can't stay on the field. A.J. Brown's still playing fantastic, though. I actually think this Titans pass game will get a boost with Derrick Henry out. They can't lean on him anymore, so you're going to see a lot more volume from Ryan Tannehill, and I think Julio Jones and A.J. Brown get back on track, and you see this Titans offense become more of a passing offense moving forward. So fantasy-wise, I wouldn't be too interested in grabbing a Jeremy McNichols or the recently signed Adrian Peterson. I would actually load more up on these receivers. As I said, I think Brown and Julio Jones stand to benefit from uh, Derrick Henry being out of the lineup. Uh, Of course, the trade deadline also was yesterday. And one big move to talk about there is Von Miller going from the Broncos to the Rams. The Rams surrendering two second-round picks in that trade. So further mortgaging their future for the right now. The Rams clearly in it to win it right now. They've traded pretty much all the first-round picks they're allowed to trade. Now they're getting into their second-round picks as they deal two of those to land Von Miller. Von Miller, of course, a former Super Bowl MVP, spearheading a Broncos defense that carried their team to a Super Bowl in Peyton Manning's last season. So even if Von Miller is 70 to 80% of the Von Miller of old. I really think he's going to have a field day in this Rams defense that already features Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. 
And then news breaking, of course, early on today that Aaron Rodgers has tested positive for COVID and is going to miss Sunday's game against the Chiefs. So huge news for the Packers. Of course, on Thursday Night Football, they were without Devontae Adams due to COVID. However, Aaron Rodgers was able to overcome that and lead the team to a victory. And I guess we're going to see the debut of Jordan Love and see if he can lead this Packers offense against uh, floundering Chiefs defense. We'll see what happens there. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and break down our contenders to win the Super Bowl. Welcome back. We're going to break down our five contenders in each conference, starting with the AFC. And the AFC just has teams floundering right now, whether it's due to injuries or bad losses or a combination of the two. The AFC's contenders are just in disarray at this point. So we're going to start at the top. And the Buffalo Bills coming off of a bye are our big winner from week eight. Didn't play a game, so couldn't have anything terrible happen to them. Couldn't lose anybody to injury and couldn't lose a bad game. But Josh Allen has that offense humming. They still look like the favorites in the AFC. Even in their loss to the Titans, you could argue they could have easily won that game if not for a questionable call of Josh Allen. I don't, still don't know what he was doing on that quarterback sneak, but if he picks that up, they win the game. They're clearly the number one choice here. As it is now, they still are my number one choice in the AFC. Number two for me, for me is the Baltimore Ravens. Even though they lost to the Bengals before their bye week, um, the Bengals then turning around and losing to the Jets. So putting the Ravens back at the top of the division on top of the fact that the Titans lose Derrick Henry. This pushes the Ravens up to number two on my list. Lamar Jackson will look to get it going again this week. We'll see if they can get back on track. Number three for me is still going to be the Tennessee Titans. Yes, I know they lost Derrick Henry. However, that offense still has Ryan Tannehill, Julio Jones, and A.J. Brown to lean on. There's not a lot of teams with better skill players and a quarterback than that. So I think this can become a passing offense. You knew the newly signed Adrian Peterson will see what he has left in the tank for the Titans there. Number four for us is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals. And yes, I know they lost to the Jets. And how can you have a top four team that lost to the Jets? Well, guess what? The Titans lost to the Jets too. So the Jets beat two of the top four teams in the AFC. Kind of funny there. Uh, Ruining a lot of eliminator pools, including mine. I had the Bengals last week. So thanks a lot, Jets. Although that helmet-to-helmet call at the end of that game that pretty much decided it was pretty bad. I have to think that maybe the Bengals get the ball back and do something with it there. Still cannot believe they threw that flag. But I digress. We move on to number five. And number five for me is going to be whoever comes out of the AFC West. And right now it looks like it's going to be the Raiders, believe it or not. The Raiders looking like they're a new team since John Gruden resigning there in Las Vegas. Derek Carr looking like the Derek Carr of old before he broke his leg when it looked like he was an MVP candidate. Uh, the Chargers looked like they were going to grab that division by the horns, but now all of a sudden that defense can't stop anybody. The Chiefs, yes, they got a win on Monday, but it was against the Giants. Are they really back? They barely beat a terrible Giants team on primetime. I just can't see them really becoming a real contender in the AFC unless they can fix those offensive line woes. And that is going to do it for our contenders in the AFC. We're going to move on to the NFC. Starting at the top, the number one team in the NFC for me is the Los Angeles Rams sitting at 7-1. and one. Matthew Stafford looking like an MVP candidate. Cooper Cup breaking all kinds of records, looking like the best receiver in football. Robert Woods rounding into form, looking like the best number two receiver in football. Van Jefferson out of the slot there. That offense is humming 
on all cylinders. On the other side of the ball, you add Von Miller to a defense that already features Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. So in a standard four-man rush, you have two guys that command a double team in Von Miller and Aaron Donald. So really can't wait to see what this defense is able to do moving forward. The number two team in the NFC for me is my beloved Dallas Cowboys, sitting at 6-1 and one after a huge win on Sunday Night Football with their backup quarterback, Cooper Rush getting all the praise for leading the Cowboys to a win in that one. However, as I said on the podcast last week, this Cowboys run defense is incredibly underrated, spearheaded by Micah Parsons. This defense is not just the secondary enforcing turnovers. This run defense is legitimate, and Micah Parsons is the one to thank for that. I really like the prospect of the Cowboys moving forward. Now that they're getting Dak Prescott back, I really think they could contend for getting the number one seed in the NFC. My number three team is the Green Bay Packers coming off of a huge Thursday night football win over the previously undefeated Arizona Cardinals. The Packers now 7-1. and one. Aaron Rodgers leading the team to victory despite missing his top three receivers. However, next week they're going to have to do it without Aaron Rodgers. He's going to miss Sunday's game against the Chiefs due to COVID. My number four team in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, I know they just lost to the Saints, but still Tom Brady seems to dismantle everybody else in the league except for the Saints. So I expect the Bucs to bounce back from this and still be a contender in the NFC. And finally, my number five team is the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, I may be underrating them slightly. They are still sitting at seven and one coming off of that loss on Thursday night football. But This defense doesn't look as good as they were at the start of the season, and Kyler Murray definitely does not look like he's firing on all cylinders. I think there's some kind of injury thing going on with him. So for now, I have the Cardinals at number five, but they could easily still win this conference and represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. A team I wanted to touch on, not that I think they're going to be a contender in the NFC, but I just wanted to talk about the NFC playoff picture at the bottom here. Those five teams are pretty much locked in two playoff spots, but there's still two playoff spots up for grabs, and it looks like the Saints are going to grab one, sitting at five and two. They are head and shoulders above the rest of these teams on this list. However, there is one spot remaining for either the Niners, Vikings, Panthers, Falcons, Seahawks, Washington. Pretty much everybody is in contention for that spot except for the Detroit Lions. And my favorite to come out of there is the Seattle Seahawks. Once this team gets Russell Wilson back, I really think they are going to grab that last playoff spot. This defense, which started out the year so bad, has been playing much better with Russ out. You can get Seattle at plus 300 to make the playoffs, and I think that is a fantastic bet. So look into that on FanDuel. And with that, we are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and break down what happened in week eight and go over where I got it wrong, and there were a lot of them. As I said before the break, we got a lot of picks wrong last week. We started out great with a Thursday night win and ended up well also getting the Sunday night and Monday night games correct. However, those middle games were not kind to us. We missed nine games, six and nine against the number this week. So let's go through it now where I got it wrong. As I say every week, you cannot win them all, and we definitely did not win them all this week, although it really looked like we were going to win quite a few of these games before we caught some bad beats. And I'll start with the worst one. We gave out the Dolphins plus 14 and a half, and the Dolphins looked like the right side the entire game. This was a 6-3 game at halftime. The Dolphins played this game close the entire way. 
a meaningless touchdown from Buffalo in the last minute of that game pushes it to the Bills covering the 14 and a half. But man, that was the wrong side the whole game. If you had the Bills, just take your money, but you got lucky on that one. We gave out the Bears plus four and a half, and this is another game that was close pretty much the whole way. Late into the third quarter, the Bears are up seven. Uh, an amazing play, by the way, by Justin Fields in this one, in which it looked like he was stopped dead to rights in the backfield on a fourth and short. However, he breaks contain and rolls out to the other side and just does it on his own and scores a touchdown. I'll say it again, as I've said a couple of times before, Justin Fields is the best quarterback out of this rookie class. I think once he becomes a little more polished, this Bears team has a bright future. We gave out the Browns minus four and a half, and we were dead wrong on this one. However, it took an amazing catch by Pat Fryermuth to get the win for the Steelers. If that doesn't happen, maybe the Browns cover, but you deserve to lose if you had the Browns in this one. We were had the wrong side there. We gave out the Lions plus three and a half, and this was my worst pick of the week. The Lions were a square dog, and all the signs told me to go the other way, and I didn't listen. Uh, a theme this week, by the way. It happened in a couple of other games as well. The Lions were the wrong side. Full stop. That's it. Nothing else to talk about. This is a bad team. They'll be lucky to get a win this season. We gave out the Colts minus two and a half and jumped out to an early lead. Looked great. We were driving up 14. A failed fourth down conversion. Then they're up 14 to seven, getting an interception. And during the return, they fumble the interception, give the ball back to the Titans who tie the score at that point. Then in overtime, Carson Wentz throws an interception on a play in which he had Jonathan Taylor wide open over the middle of the field with nothing in front of him, just sitting there uh, on the check down. Looked like he had 20 yards of open field in front of him. Could have continued that drive. Carson Wentz forcing it to the corner route, throwing the interception. That's the ball game. That's what you get for betting on Carson Wentz. We gave up the Bengals minus 10 and a half, and I ignored all the signs. I said it on the podcast. Every sign is pointing to bet the Jets, bet the Jets, bet the Jets. I just could not do it, and I should have done it. Should have listened to myself pretty much, and I didn't. Bengals minus 10 and a half was never the right side. However, the Bengals should not have lost that game on that helmet-to-helmet call. That was a horrendous call, one of the worst calls I've ever seen in a football game. The Jets runner lowering his head to hit the Bengals defender, and they call the helmet-to-helmet on the defender. An absolutely insane call that cost the Bengals the game and cost me my eliminator pool. So just an atrocious call there. Do not understand how you can't review something like that in the NFL. Something needs to be done there. We also gave out the Chargers minus four, and I gave credit to the Chargers for beating up on some bad teams. The Chiefs mainly. Uh, As soon as the Chargers beat the Chiefs, everybody was labeling the Chargers as a favorite in the AFC. It turns out the Chiefs just aren't that good, and neither are the Chargers. They lose the game here. Uh, I was on the wrong side. Nothing more to say there. I gave out the Bucks minus four and a half, and again, I ignored all the signs. The line stunk to high heaven. There's no reason to think that the Bucks should only be fared by four and a half in that game. The public was all over it. I was all over it, and that's why those books are able to make those casinos in the middle of the desert, because they know better than we do for the most part. They got our money there. I also gave out Washington plus three. Both teams looked awful. Neither looked like they wanted to win. The Broncos running the clock out at the end, fumble the ball twice, then finally actually give it away. Washington unable to take advantage. Both of these teams, as I said, look pretty bad. It was hard to pick a side. I just happened to pick the wrong one there. So that is going to do it for where I got it wrong. Let's move on to a short list of the things I got right last week. An unfortunately short list of games I got right. As I said, six and nine against the number this week. Our worst week by far on the Let It Ride podcast. We will look to do better for you next week. 
I gave out the Packers plus six and a half on Thursday Night Football, and that was a winner from the jump. We also gave out the under in that game, which got lucky to hit, but we only count our picks on the sides here, so Packers plus six and a half was correct. We gave out the Panthers plus three, and my reasoning here was that I just could not see Matt Ryan and the Falcons winning three games in a row. I was correct. The Panthers were the right side on that one from the jump, getting the win there. I gave out the Rams minus 15, and I feel terrible if you bet this game Right before kickoff, it went up to minus 16 and a half. The Rams were up 38 to 0 with eight minutes left in that game. The Texans scored 22 unanswered points, including a meaningless two point conversion. So if you had Rams giving 16 and a half, you lost that game. Just a terribly bad beat. When we gave it out, it was Rams minus 15, so it's in the win column for us here on the Let It Ride podcast. I gave out the Seahawks minus four, and this was my best pick of the week. The Jaguars are a bad football team. I told you that Geno Smith was not as bad as he looked against those great defenses. That was one of the few places that I was dead right this week. I gave out the Cowboys plus three, and this was with the assumption that Dak might play. And I said, even if he doesn't play, I still like their chances to cover. As it is, they win the game outright. The Cowboys getting the win with Cooper Rush at quarterback there. And we gave out the Giants plus 10. As I told you, I am done taking the Chiefs as huge favorites. And I'm going to continue to do that until they prove it wrong. So continue to fade the Chiefs. Giants plus 10 was the easy win here. That game was never even close to the Chiefs covering. And that is going to do it for where I got it right. As I said, a short list. We'll work on making it longer next week. So we're going to take one final quick break before we come back and break down the Thursday night football game. Welcome back. We're going to wrap up the podcast talking about Thursday night football. It's going to be the New York Jets taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts a 10-point favorite at home for this one, the over-under sitting at 46.5. And And the Jets, of course, won outright as a double-digit favorite last week against the Bengals. However, I don't think they're going to have the same success this week. The Colts, of course, coming off of a gut-wrenching overtime loss to their division rival, Tennessee Titans, a game that they desperately needed. They really need this game if they're going to have any hope of getting a playoff spot, and I think they get back on track this week. If you look at how the Jets were able to move the ball against the Bengals last week, it was on the ground and with the short passing game. You saw Michael Carter with 15 carries for 71 yards, nine catches out of the backfield for 95 yards. Ty Johnson, another running back for them, had five catches for 71 yards. Jamison Crowder, eight catches for 84 yards. He, of course, is a short yardage type of receiver. So a lot of dinking and dunking coming from the Jets to beat the Bengals last week. I don't think you could do that to the Colts. If you look at this Colts run defense, you just have to look back to last week. Yes, they lost that game to the Titans, but that was mainly due to A.J. Brown having a field day, 10 catches for 155 yards. There was nobody on the Jets who was going to be able to do that to this Colts defense. If you look at what they were able to do with Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry just 28 carries for 68 yards. This Colts run defense was able to bottle him up. Darius Leonard leading a great defense there for the Colts. So I think you see this game go more towards the Colts. I think they cover this 10 fairly easily. I think the Jets come back down to earth after having a great day against a good Bengals defense. This matchup is a little bit worse for them, so I'm going to take the Colts and lay the 10 points, and I'm also going to play under 46 and a half for this one, and that is going to do it for the podcast, guys. We'll be back on Friday to get into the Sunday games. Until then, guys, thank you for listening, and I will see you in a couple of days. 